Welcome to Indie Odyssey, a writer's journey, aka publishing hell. My name is Hazel. And I'm Jamie. We will take you step by step as we launch our writing careers. Well, welcome to the podcast, everyone. This is our first episode. Straight disclaimer that we both have ADHD. So yeah. This might be chaotic, but also fun. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I read the intro. I did my part. Yeah. <laughs> what do I do now? <laughs> what now? Welcome to the podcast where we talk about our writing journeys. And since we are both in the really early stages of our indie publishing career, we wanted to really just have you follow us through all of it and basically see from the ground up what happens because we don't know what's going to happen. I like to think that my book is fantastic, sexy. It's right here. This is the one that has the, like, Ingram broke it, but whatever. It's called Courting Lore. I'm holding it if you're looking at YouTube. We're really at the beginning of this. This book has not come out yet. It comes out in January, January 23rd. And Jamie has just decided to start this process, which I'm very excited about. So Jamie, why don't you talk a little bit about you and how you got here? Well, I feel like just decided is a little bit of a misnomer. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I am decided for the next book I'm going to write for sure that I am just going to go indie with that book. Um, the current book that I have, I have queried it. I started querying it last year. In August, I had my manuscript sent to an agent. A couple months, one month and a half after that, maybe I got a partial request through querying. And so I'm actually still waiting for those. I had already decided to indie at that point when I got the first agent full request because it was a little bit of a different situation how it happened. But I pushed back the editor I had into January and I had it in November. So actually, as of the sixth Monday, I was supposed to send my book to an editor. So I am still going to indie that book if the agents reject me. I mean, because this is something we've been talking about indie yeah. publishing together um, for five, six months, something mm -hmm. like that. And so, yeah, it's not it's not new. It's just right. we're at slightly different parts because now my book is fully done. Mm -hmm. The audiobook narrators, I think, are basically done. Um mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, now going into like review cycle and pre-launch. Yeah, it's been a just a discussion that we've had. Um, so obviously like waiting for the agents, because of course, like I think we both talked about, we, we both do eventually like still want to have like trad published books um, and do a hybrid career, be able to like be sustainable as authors and make this a career. And that's, I think, really, truly only possible. Well, okay, I shouldn't say that. It's, it's, um, I don't know, easy, not even easier. That's horrible. That's not, that's not, let's not use that word <laughs> as we shall discuss later. It is, I think, best to diversify yourself in the sense of like what you're doing business wise. And so doing indie and doing trad, I think is a smart decision if you haven't already published five books in trad. I agree. I mean, and, and as far as my journey goes, which we'll, we'll hear about a little bit more when I probably get a little bit fiery and heated, I would think when we talk about our topic today, which is traditional publishing authors going off about what indie-ing <laughs> is, uh, what indie writing and authorship is, and how it's not viable or whatever, which is such a lie. And we will get into that. Um, but for those of you who don't know my background, which would probably be most of you. Um, I had an agent. I had an agent for over three years. I went on submission. That book died on submission, but I have 
four editors or so who really want to see next books from me. So I left my agent in June, but if I were to get a new agent, you know, I have those four editors who want to see books from me. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of the reason my book died on submission was it was a romanticy before romanticy was being bought by traditional publishers. And there was a period of time where nobody would take a romanticy in trad. Um, and now that's just a completely different landscape, as you know, probably from Fourth Wing made all of the traditional publishers want to just buy and buy and buy and buy and buy romanticy. But I chose to indie publish and to leave my agent because I wanted my books out there on the market, not because I couldn't traditionally publish, um, because I really was very close. And if I continued that path, probably would have gotten a book deal this next year. I'm saying that, and I think that's important to say because of the topic that we're talking about today and what this traditional publishing author had to say about indie publishing. I chose to indie first because I wanted it as a career strategy and really no other reason. Yeah, you made a good point too that, and I, I imagine some people might wonder, so I'm just going to ask that, do you regret leaving your agent now that this romanticy trend has popped up? Uh, like, do you think your agent would have still pushed and like sold, tried to sell it for you, even though she maybe wasn't interested in this book particularly? Well, it's hard to say she wasn't going to be interested in this book, right? Because when I first gave her the book, she told me it had no hook and she couldn't see who she would sell it to, which is hilarious in hindsight. Well, maybe she's kicking herself. Who knows? Maybe she's like, I should have not said that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, part of me hopes so, like the deeply petty part of me hopes so. But I mean, yeah. I really liked my ex-agent. She's a good person, um, but I don't think we work well together. So to answer your question, do I regret leaving my agent? No, not at all. Because, you know, I don't know how Courting War is going to do uh, out there in the indie landscape, but I'm a really, I believe, a really solid writer. I believe I know what I'm doing. I have been playing this romanticy game, writing it for the last six years. That is what I write. That is like my bread and butter. So I think I know what I'm doing. I think I'm twisting it in a way that I think readers want to see, which is having a lady daddy instead of a shadow daddy. Um, That's also 10,000 years old. So, you know, she's true. not the 18 year old, uh, you know, female main character in love with mm -hmm. a 500 year old vampire and he's 20 he's that's my version of him he's 24 yeah he's yeah, 24 so and that's my version right. of theo and she's she's 10,000 and for those of you who are not on youtube i'm sorry but what i'm pointing at is like all of my like like i think i have like 40 arcs in my house right now so because like i said I, we're about to do a review cycle so like i will be sending these out to like 40 people within the, the latter half of the month but the long answer to your question is very complicated but the short answer is no I absolutely don't and the real big reason is I don't know that my agent would have got me the deal I wanted to have and that's very important could she have gotten me a deal I think absolutely Cordy Moore would have gotten a deal but could she have gotten me the deal I want maybe not the reason I also asked is because I think it aligns with the topic of the sentiment of indie and traditional publishing um should we talk about what happened on the ticky to talk well i feel like most people will probably know what we're talking about but if they do not yeah, yes a little there summary. was a very i would call prominent author definitely who posted 
posted a video um, since deleted and talked about indie publishing and basically said they don't recommend it um, and then said it was the easy way out the, the easy way out <laughs> which is why I was like maybe I shouldn't say that I actually wrote um, notes do you want me okay. to give a sure a summary go ahead <laughs> okay so this person said it was the easy way out that it only works if you already have a big following um and that it doesn't get you the connections you need to get into bookstores which is that is very true um and it doesn't get you placement in in bookstores it doesn't uh get you any marketing uh it doesn't get you into book clubs and then she called self-publishing companies um a thing which is not a thing it's uh either like super 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 small presses or they would be called vanity presses, which is what I think she was talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. But those are the notes that I that I took. Oh, and then she also said something along the lines of don't do it just because you failed querying. Right. So and then another thing she said it was the easy way out and then went on to list all these like really difficult things that you have to do by yourself. Right. Um, yeah. No, no. Yeah. She listed like 10 things <laughs> you have to do by yourself that traditional publishers would yeah. do for you if you were yeah. tried published and there's a, just a lot to like unpack with what that conversation so when I listened to it because you shared it with me and um I I was like I can see what she's saying like I don't think she meant it maliciously like I I truly don't like it, I think it was more of a like it was, I think it's old school thought. Like it was yeah, like a 10 yeah. years ago thought. And I think 10 years yeah. ago, that would have been maybe the right mm-hmm. uh, advice. I, agree. I mean, I asking my actual, like really successful indie published friends would disagree with you on that because they're very successful and have been doing this for 10 years. Yeah. But I think there is more of an argument for that 10 years ago. Yeah, right. And I, yes, I think, like, of course, they're going to be like, no, that's not true. But I do think that there are more channels to become successful in indie than there were 10 years ago especially with social media to and get especially the out. with the genre we're writing right 10 years Correct. ago the genre we're writing a didn't really exist and b would have only been pushed by traditional publishing with a few exceptions mm-hmm. that i can think off the top of my head like uh cassandra broadbent and uh mm-hmm. elise kova have been really successful for the yeah. last like five years mm-hmm. and six years or seven years in indie publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, the success in indie has been in the last two years. Yeah. I need to look up like what indie series I had read. Like again, like this five, five years ago, I want to say it was, I don't know if it was Elsie Kova, but it was like somewhere along those lines. I felt like it was a successful series. There was like six books in the series and I read all of them and I thought they were so good. But the querying thing, I think I I want to touch on that because I'm hesitant to say like sometimes like on social media, like I do talk about like querying because I only had one traditional request. Well, so far, so I sent out more queries for romanticy specific. Before I queried this book as YA crossover, because that's what it was called. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's been a lot of changes, but I still currently, right now, I sent out 26 queries and I have 13 rejections. So I have a 50% rejection rate, but total I've sent out like 80 and I still only have one request out of all of those, like 80. And there's still some pending, but. Uh, but it, 
it doesn't make you a bad writer. Like your writing is right. super quality. Like it's super, super yeah. high quality. Like your prose are gorgeous and you're, you have a really good, you know, handle of storytelling. So it, it doesn't go to show that like agents are the first gatekeepers, right, mm -hmm. of the traditional publishing world. And they're not always right as to what is going to be popular and what's going to sell. And they often, often, often are rejecting incredible writers. Well, and you see that especially right now, and there's a lot of reasons behind it, which just could be another topic, is we're seeing a lot of indie authors get picked up by traditional publishers because... And being coached um, by agents, like literally yeah, coached like, by agents. Like, like we were told this by an agent that they are like poaching people. <laughs> like this is actually happening. And you're seeing like you, it may not be announced that way, but I'm pretty sure most of these authors were poached, <laughs> approached slash poached. Approached. Um, approached. I like yes, the word. It, but that's great. And that's exciting. And it just like shows to your point that trad told these authors that these books weren't good enough a lot of these authors queried i talked to one of those authors like before i even knew they had a book deal it was like mm -hmm. a week after i talked to them that they announced and i was like well that's so cool um well and and but, not to mention sorry i always keep interrupting you adhd no, but not ahead. to mention like they would not take they being agents would not take Faye for the last yeah. three years they like almost every agent had no fay on their on their like wish list for three years and you know all the books that are being picked up by traditional publishers that were indie right now like 95 percent of them are fay um i can definitely like already point out five. Oh yeah i mean which off is, the top of my head i can point out five which is a lot considering like a trend in publishing you know, anyway. I at this point I think Faye is its own genre. It's its own subgenre. Just like well, like if, yeah. like um what's that called? Vampires, but it's not vampires, it's um paranormal. Oh, okay. Paranormal I was like, is a subgenre, right? Well, I it, think it, it Faye is becoming its own. Been. But paranormal, but technically Faye are paranormal. Yeah. But you know, there's kind of like they kind of have their own thing going on. Like vampires. Like, I think vampires and fae are going to be their own genres. People mm -hmm. love vampires and people love fae. Yeah. Which is whatever go away. But that's, so that's another reason, like, why I was like, I'm not going to let this book die in query land because there's readers out there that love this type of book. And because I'm one of them and I have a really good friend who's just a reader that's one of them. And so, like, why would I give up when there's another avenue for me to publish this book? Like, why would why would I just like give up because somebody else told me it wasn't good enough? Yeah, yeah. And then, and 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 it's like traditional publishing will do this thing where like, uh, they'll be like, and now no more mates, or like, and now no mm -hmm. whatever. And it's like that's no not what triangles. the readers are saying. No you know, bonds, no more witches, yeah. no more vampires. And like, look what happened. There's a ton of vampire books published. So. And it's like, that's not even what the readers are saying. The readers are like, I would like I more mermaids, please, you know? Yeah. And we might have got a little off topic, but it's still related in the sense of like how the industry works and how traditional publishing works. Um, but certainly what the author said, I think was not malicious in my opinion. Um, I don't think so either. It was just uninformed of the current 
landscape of what's happening. Yeah. And, and, and how people are, how people are indie publishing, um, because there's a lot more control and avenues and like well, opportunity, not even opportunities, but like business decisions you can make to, to choose how you want to, to indie your book and if or we self-publish, just, I should say. And if we just break down what she said, right? Because I made a Let's list. You have to have a big following to be successful indie publishing. I don't think that's true because if you go to the right people, if you if you hire the right people to do book tours and you give it to the right TikTokers and they read your book and they love your book, those are people who will just scream about your book from the rooftops. And mm-hmm. that is what you need. You need organic screaming. <laughs> I'm gonna quote that. I'm gonna put that on a direct organic <laughs> screaming. I just um, wanna like think something else. <laughs> orgasmic screaming um is that where you were going with that maybe um well i do write dirty books so um (laughs) anyway but uh yeah so i agree um i do think having a big following obviously will help you um and what do you consider a big following right like who determines that number is it two thousand is that five thousand is that 15 is that 50 is that 100 like how do you know what a quote big following is right so I think to me what's more important is a genuine following people who are genuinely supportive and interested in your work and want to support you as a writer because they are either readers and they're going to love your book or they're also writers who Mm -hmm. want to support other writers that are fulfilling the dream that we all have to be published well and that's so important too because if I think about my two Instagrams that are both writer Instagrams uh the trad one like I have 1200 maybe 1300 people following me there but when I announced Hazel and Indie Publishing only a hundred of those people went and followed Hazel and only a hundred of them are actual real followers who will buy this book um Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of sad because that's like not even 10% of what I just said. <laughs> so, um, you know, but I've always said this, people don't care about you until they care about you and you have to give them something to care about. Mm-hmm. Publishing is a business. So we'll, we'll come back to this in a year. Yeah. The more and more I think about it, because again, I'm in villain era, petty era. <laughs> um, the more I'm like, I actually don't, there's a lot of downsides to trad. Yeah, I didn't think I could indie publish. By the way, I I had had my friends being like, "You need to indie publish, indie publish, indie publish, indie publish," and I was yeah. like, "I don't think I can do it. I don't have the skill set. I'm not like you guys. I just I don't have the ability." Um, and then I realized I did, um, which is a huge reason why I am indie publishing now. The more and more I get into this indie world, the more I'm like, "But I get to write whatever I want in the order I want, and I get to do whatever I want." And that is not true of traditional publishing. Yeah. And granted, readers will start to navigate that for you. They'll be like, "Actually, no, please write another vicious god novel or like whatever." But for the most part, I get to make all of those decisions, and that's a fucking amazing thing. Because from that's- somebody like I had an agent who rejected like. 10 of my story ideas and wouldn't move forward on the one that like I'm most obsessed with because it can't sell in trad publishing which I don't even know if she knows if it could or not like honestly 
Um, And so like, I'm sick of having other people dictate the stories I want to tell. Well, and that I actually saw a comment on somebody's Instagram who got picked up by a publisher and one of the one of their readers was like oh this is so exciting for you but I'm so sad because now I have to wait a year or longer for your book so yeah there are a lot of like benefits to doing self-publishing and doing it yourself it is a lot of work um there are downsides (laughs) to it that's the other one the easy way out (laughs) yeah but but then an author was like yeah, and then you have to have an audience, you have to have a following, you have to do marketing, you have to do publicity, you have to do uh, editing, you have to do cover design. And I'm like, so it's not easy. Like, this is not easy. Yeah. And, then, and you have you have to pay for everything up front. I think the problem with what that author said was that there's, there is a difference between vanity press and boutique like publishers and actual self-publishing. Like yeah. self-publishing is you're doing it yourself as an individual establishing like an LLC, mm-hmm. you are your own publisher. Like you are creating your own press um, and to do things on your business behalf. Like as the, like it's complicated. We can go into that later, but, and then a vanity is like, you pay them to basically print your books. And I don't even know what else, but don't, don't do that. Let's yeah, it do, would be That's the whole thing that you shouldn't probably do. Yeah. Or unless you're really vetted. You're paying them to publish your books. And the honest truth is that you should never be paying somebody else to publish your books. If they're a publishing company, they should be giving you an advance or they're doing a, uh, a profit share that is way more advantageous for you. So for example, like profit sharing in traditional publishing, you're getting about 10% royalties. I get 70% on certain places, 60% on other places. It just depends on where and what you're doing. So you can get up to 70% as an indie published person, which obviously is much better if people are buying it. But the downside is you don't get distribution. So you're not in a lot of bookstores. Um, So there's ups and downs to all those things. And if you are going to go with a small press that's not giving you an advance, then they should be giving you better royalties. So that's all complicated stuff we do not need to get into. But the whole point of that is there is no such thing called a self-publishing company. There are self-published authors um, and there are vanity presses and small presses. I just have to say this because just because you're a traditionally published author also doesn't mean that you're going to get the distribution. I mean, you'll get into bookstores, which you're not that doesn't mean that you'll have five copies of your book in every bookstore, especially now with the way that Barnes and Noble is doing stuff. Um, you're not going to be in targets. You're not going to likely, you yep. know what I mean? Like, unless it's a yep. big book deal and like you have a big marketing behind you, you, most traditionally published authors also have to do marketing themselves anyway. Yeah. And nowadays it, there's no guarantee whether a publisher is going to push your book or not. So there's things yeah. called lead titles and a lead title is the book that the publisher has decided for this year this season is going to be their main focus and they're going to throw all of their marketing money behind that book and they're banking on that book to do well to pay for the rest of the books and uh, there is no guarantee you're going to be a lead title in fact there's more than likely not going to be a lead title and it's not like you're not guaranteed that the publisher is going to continue to market your book after a month of like basically being out. Uh, I've seen a lot of like people just have support pulled because their book didn't do well enough. 
Um, and so as an indie author, I go into it being like, okay, well, nobody is supporting me at all. I have to do all of this push, but I get to continue to push my book six months down the road, not just launch week. What was another one of the topics that you wrote down? Or um, Well, this one I will give to this person because it is connections and placement in bookstores. Yeah. So Agreed. that you're not going to get. And, and quite frankly, you're just not going to get that as an indie author. Yeah. So you just have to be okay with that. You're just not getting it. Yeah. And I think even sadly, which you would think it would be this way, um, a lot of independent bookstores also don't want to, okay, well, there's a, there's a caveat to that, but a lot of independent bookstores are like, oh, we don't carry self-published titles. They have to be able to order through Ingram yep. as a, as like Ingram as the distributor. At 55%. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, if you give a 55% discount, you're only making a dollar a book as the author, mm-hmm. essentially on basically hardcover or paperback. It doesn't matter. You're making a dollar mm-hmm. a book or less. Yeah. You're not going to get that in a book. Like that is no. agreed. I have two bookstores who have said they will um, carry my books. Um, and quite frankly, that is not who I'm marketing to. Um, I'm very happy that those bookstores are. And one of them um would love to do a launch and I would love to do that with them. And so I probably will, but they live, they're two hours away from my house. So literally I had to drive two hours to get to a bookstore that's willing to host me as a debut indie author, um, which is really upsetting, but there's, there's actually a bookstore, which it's because I went in person and we talked to the owners and they're a very small bookstore. Uh, They, who knows, you know, I hope they're still open, but um, it's in Washington somewhere. They actually had a bunch of indie books and I thought that was so cool. They were like, yeah, if you ever self-publish your book, like let us know. That's not common though. Mm -mm. But what's interesting though, and, and it's crazy to see that everybody has been incredibly supportive and, and amazingly being like, I love supporting indie authors. I want to push your book. I love your book. I had this reader who like the first person who I do not know, uh, won an arc from, uh, Storygram tours, read the book, like the day they got it, which was crazy to me. And then like fell in love with it. And it's like, I want to push your book. I want to help you. And I was like, uh, yes, please. And then I got other people being like, I really love supporting indie authors. So the readers out there and the, the influencers are not on the same page as yeah. these publishers, because they understand these readers understand that the indie authors are giving them the books they want to read. Exactly. I just think that there's a lot of success in indie publishing because they're publishing books people want to read. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they're publishing good books, but they're not publishing like the 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 crack cocaine it. books. They're not All publishing the books, the books that, that make me want to just continue reading and reading and reading, you know. Yeah, like and it's like a weird it's like weird. I don't even know how to explain it. Like or it's like this weird like twilight zone mm-hmm. black it's hole weird. like it's it's very odd i don't know one of my things that people might find uh controversial but is i don't like the saying like write um what you love because i think it should be said write what you love that's going to sell <laughs> yeah or target an audience right right love yeah. you write what you love that an audience will read or if you're trying to do traditional and we've talked about this because i've yeah. been the the person screaming that to everyone i know um and that is 
write what you love that a traditional publisher will pick up. Mm-hmm. Um, now I have obviously changed and redirected my strategy to writing what I love that an audience will pick up. And that is a different thing because sometimes what you love is maybe not the best thing for the book. Like let's say a flash flood that rips all their clothes off, uh, <laughs> writing from experience. Yeah. Or walking through the woods. <laughs> <laughs> One day, or at some point when we talk about courting war on here, uh, in more detail, um, I'll tell you the story about the scene I had to cut where I ripped all their clothes off with a flash flood because I wanted to do it at the time, which I stand by that. It just doesn't work for the book. I also think it's important to point out, like when we're talking about indie publishing and it being viable is like, yeah, there is when you're indie publishing and when you're a reader of indie published book, there is a vast array of quality because you anybody can indie publish a book. And I think that's a major critique that is like leveled at indie publishing quite a lot uh, as a very big negative. And that's true because there's always going to be a huge market. And the one thing that scares me as like somebody who wants to become and be successful in indie publishing is how many things I see in that market and how many books I see on the market. Uh, I do though think, and I hope that what distinguishes the ones that rise above is the quality and that isn't always quality of prose it's quality of story it's quality Mm -hmm. of a bunch of different things it's like there's books on the market that are just crack cocaine i'm not gonna mention them (laughs) by name but i wouldn't say the quality is like the best quality ever but like do i enjoy reading them and consuming them absolutely you know i think things like readsy and things like uh fiverr have come up and helped a lot of like the connections between writers and editors where I don't know if that was as as accessible as it was previously Mm -hmm. and things like pro writing aid like things that are tools to help writers to improve their editing skill and their craft exactly there's a lot more webinars and like that's like that's what I think the 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 changes but the interaction and connection in social media has drastically changed I mean if you look at 2018 which I I really am really dumb because in 2018 at the infancy of well yeah i would still say it's in its infancy it's in its early like toddler years if we're using a child metaphor of bookstagram right bookstagram was in its infancy in 2018 i joined i was making a lot of good picture spreads but with the adhd in me i just gave up i could have had probably a much bigger following right now if i was just a consistent person with that but the only thing i can manage to be consistent in is writing (laughs) so and we'll eventually be glad for that but um yeah no but in the infancy like 2018 2019 that's when bookstagram started getting like it's big you know interconnectivity like the way that writers can connect with each other the way that finding critique partners everything changed the landscape changed in 2018 and then tiktok changed the landscape again in 2020 and again i was early to that but i can't be consistent with anything my really good friend told me to get a tiktok because i was like making some like youtube book video like unboxings and like trying to like i was gonna like make my youtube channel for bookstagram or whatever booktube again right adhd this is this didn't happen but um she's like you should go on tiktok and make book videos like i was like oh Mm -hmm. i don't don't need to i don't i don't know if i'm comfortable being on video um and she's like no you really should 
Okay, my friend has like 400,000 followers. Yeah. I don't know, she might have more than that now. I don't even have TikTok right now because Dude. my company's like, uh, you can't have that. And I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. The next big social media, I'll be like, <laughs> I'm right there. I'm here. I know. I will. I tried that with like with threads. And then my yeah, brother threads, was like, threads went my nowhere. brother was like, don't, don't do that. And I was like, what? Well, it's too late. He's like, delete it off your phone now. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I still have threads on my phone, but. Uh, I don't that is not Next my, to my Instagrams it's too late yeah I know and, th- and that's not my form of um yeah, I, I don't do well with writing small short things the landscape of social media and the internet changed drastically how readers connect with books and yes. how uh, writers connect with each other in order to become better writers and so 10 years ago like it would have been really, really difficult to indie publish because you don't have social media to push your book. Um, you don't have uh, all of these things that help you get ahead of traditional publishing. Ten years ago, if you were tr- if you were indie publishing, you have basically ads. You have ads, and that's about it. Because yeah. traditional publishers are the one that's are getting you marketing and getting you spots in places and all the things that used to exist. Yeah, and I think that like I just looked it up really quickly. So like for Writing Aid, for instance, it was founded in 2013. That's still pretty like, yes, that's 10 years, but that's 10 years. Prior to that, I just think there was a lot more books out there that were just people who were like, I want to publish a book and didn't care about the quality necessarily right but now we're seeing very high quality covers very high quality writing Mm -hmm. and that is the difference between like these books are good a lot of these indie books are good but there is still a difference between I just told this to a friend today (laughs) there's a difference between writing for plot and including Mm -hmm however much like spice smut you want to include and then writing for smut and not caring about plot like writing for the romance but not so much the plot and it's all about like the smutty you know like we we all know what's going on over there in that space which is fine like that's great i'm glad it exists like it's doing well but there's also there's a difference like of readers who do want the plot as well as the romance well and that's why i wish things would be a little bit more like categorized in places because really that like there should be a a smutacy you know like a romantic <laughs> like a romantic that's smut-y. smut right a smut fantasy versus like romanticy which is like there's a strong romance in a fantasy world versus a romantic fantasy to, a lot of people keep saying romantic 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 but like as like we learned and know that rom- true romantic is very plot forward yeah but yeah. the plot and the romance have to be both like very I think central and strong and they're equal. I think they're equal. So in a romanticy, mm-hmm. they're equal. In a smutacy, we're gonna make it a thing. A smutacy, <laughs> yes. it's like it just all smut, you know? Yeah. And then um and then in a romantic fantasy, it's plot romance. So like the plot drives right. heavier than the romance. Right. Um and That's so a great, like categorization of those categories. And I think also like I was just listening to something about YA and NA and I was like I think most of the independently published books that are coming out are definitely more of that like new adult age range with the characters like yeah I'm not really seeing a bunch of like yeah anything honestly younger than like 20. Honestly I talk about courting war sorry I'm grabbing it I'm talking about courting war I did these myself 
for those of you on YouTube, you I see really the um, sprayed edges. Courting War is really, it's an adult. I, I call it an indie, I, I mean, a YA. Sorry, what the fuck is wrong with me? I call it NA. I call it NA. It is definitely not YA. Um, but it's really an adult because you have the uh, the main, main character being Theo. Yeah. The one with the bigger story is 10,000 years old. I mean, that's adult. But it's written with the plot and pacing of a YA book, which is what yeah. I think the core of NA is. So technically, I, I call this NA, but it is it, it is adult. I mean, in well, terms of like character age and all that. Yeah. And the, and the like what I was listening to, it was like the the people talking were like very still confused about YA and NA. And I'm like, but NA is... I think they were maybe talking specifically like genre wise, like what's it doing genre wise, but like, I'm going to say specifically for that, like romanticy slash fantasy, like, cause we're seeing a lot of that being published in self-publishing and romance as well. Um, I think romance is just solid in the sense of like what gets published in indie. I think that yeah. we're seeing romanticy because that's like what people are loving. Cause yeah, again, publishers are like, Ooh, well fantasy is so hard to sell and i was like oh you thought so and fourth wing i mean we can't not talk about fourth wing fourth wing is a romanticy it i would say plot is even maybe even like it's like 60 40 um but but you have the shadow daddy you have you know the the young uh weaker uh female mc um that you know like violet that people root for uh it has that ya feel but it is a new adult book so it has mm-hmm. that like coming of age because new adult still has the coming of age it doesn't have so. to I but think, it, I think is. it can mm-hmm. it can and uh and it has that ya pacing feel tone um but you're getting a little bit more obviously more adult in there yeah you're getting lightning sex. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, well, that's like, spoiler. Think, <laughs> I'm pretty sure everyone's read it. At this everyone's point. read it at this point. And if you haven't, sorry, there's lightning that's, sex. That, that's kind of on you. <laughs> the one big thing that I really want to talk about when it comes to that TikTok is the idea that just because you didn't get an agent is why you're indie publishing and i think that even could go further because like she would probably say to me well it's because you didn't get a like a a book deal on submission and for those of you who i know i didn't actually explain what submission is it's when your agent submits to a publisher that's what it's called um and the thing is like i said i'm very confident that courting war would have got a book deal on submission i was very confident when i gave my agent the book that it would have gotten a book deal on submission but I didn't want to wait two years for that book to come out for readers. I wanted, I've been writing since I was 17 years old. I am no longer 17 years old. I know I'm like 18. I'm so cute. Um, But I've been writing since I was 17 years old. I've been writing as if it was my job since I was 26. Um, And that's a long time to, to be writing and not have readers. And at a certain point, I just want people to read my books and I no longer care about the validation from traditional publishing. I don't need to make the New York Times bestseller list. Although if in five years I make the New York Times bestseller list, I'd be okay with it. Um, You know, I don't need to have these starred reviews. I don't need to have all of this external, um, you know, 
validation that comes from being a, a traditional published person. All I want is readers who love my work and want to buy it. That's what I want. Well, and what I've learned from, you know, interacting with published, traditionally published authors is that you you learn that it's like they don't, they're never happy either because they always have the next goalpost. I'm not saying that they're not happy, like that they made the New York Times bestselling list or like, obviously that's a huge deal. Same thing with whatever USA, like Sunday Times, like all of those lists, um, which is also another topic for another time. <laughs> but um, there's always something else, right? And so I think that's a great mindset because knowing that there's always another goalpost, what's better than just having people love your book and making more money doing it? <laughs> to be honest. Exactly. Honestly, because like, that's another thing. Like, I personally feel, and I could be very wrong. Okay, I just want to put that out there. I could be very, very wrong. But I personally feel that the best business strategy is to have a book indie first and then be picked up by trad. Because if in that scenario, you're you're popular enough to be picked up by trad, which means you've been making bank off your indie career and now trad can push it to a bigger audience and get into bookstores. That to me is the most like ideal, like what that's what I want with my career. And I'm willing to wait for that, you know, and I'm also willing to like not have that. Like I, at this point, I want readers who read my books and I want to make money from it. And I have tons and tons of friends who make money off of indie publishing. And there's one other thing I need to note because it's important. Half of my indie published friends, most of them write in contemporary romance. Some of them write in historical romance. Some of them write in just a bunch of monster romance, tons of different categories. But most of those people that I know, I would say about half of them, used to be traditionally published, chose to indie publish because it makes them more money and they don't want to deal with the traditional publishers so what does that tell you it tells you it's viable and it tells you that's the choice they prefer to make and there's an author that i interacted with who um talked about doing indie publishing under a pen name that will never share their pen name <laughs> um because that's the way that they're actually able to be a full-time traditionally published author is by supplementing their income mm -hmm. with their indie books. Yep. And like, make what does that show you? Money. I mean, yeah. And just going back to the agent thing, because that's like where this started, is that yeah. most of those independent authors that get then picked up, we said this earlier, they're getting poached by agents. They now have agents. So what does that tell you? Yeah. There's not one way to do this. Like there's yeah. not one way to be successful in becoming a published author. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I I mean, I would say this. Here's the one caveat I'll give in all of this. As somebody who has been a mentor for writing programs in, in the past, that if you want to indie publish, you need to make sure your writing is quality. So in order to do that, you have to have critique partners. You have to be being told what you're not good at so that you can get better at it. And you have to have honest people who are giving you honest feedback and you have to grow. Like, I can't say this enough. I am now 
eight, seven or eight years into treating this as a job. And I would not have been a good enough writer to do it eight years ago. Jamie is what, four or five years into this? Um, you know? Uh, I mean, three and a half. No, we've, I've known you longer than three and a half years. No, because I started, well, I started like writing this, the book that I had with the agents three, like in 2020, in like July, June, July of 2020. Well, oh. maybe May. So it was, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, but you learned a lot on that book. Like you grew a lot on that book. Well, but, my, but yeah, you, but you didn't do it right away. You, 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 you worked on your craft like crazy for like. But I, yes. And I think so. Okay. I'll let you go and then I'll say my thing. I was going to say, like, sorry, I say crazy all the time, but. No, no, no. I just meant like. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, I'm just apologizing to everyone. I say crazy all the time. But um, no, I I, I, I. I try to correct that with my son. I'm like, oh, stop being crazy. And I'm like, oh, just you're being silly. Like, I try to like not use that term. I know. I suck at it. I feel like I have to like bleep it out now. I don't even know how to bleep things out. But I, out, I, I say that because I've been diagnosed with some big things and I'm like, huh. Let's 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 take crazy back. Just like I like to say bitch and slut and all those other things. Yeah. Let's take it back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you've worked incredibly hard on your craft and you focused on that to make it like superior and like good. Superior, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I'm speaking. I, I was just thinking about that today actually as well. Like I'm drafting another book and I'm like this is not good like but it's a first draft it's a zero draft I'm just like get, just get the story on the page like it's just like yeah you know the whole like he sits down like adding tks like and I was thinking about the book um and I I was just thinking about the book that is with the agents that I'm going to self-publish if it's not signed if I'm not signed with that book and then go on set with that book is that that book if I was to print out the first draft would be so different um <laughs> because of what like you said like I worked so hard and like I know that was one of the things that I've said is like oh your first book nobody's really successful writing with their first book and like it's always like five books in or this and that like there's unicorns here and there but I'm like but I stuck with one book for three years I never stopped and I kept improving that same book over and over and over again because I kept taking any and everything I could find on craft and like honestly I know feedback is hard but I was like rip this apart I was like yeah hurt my feelings <laughs> because <laughs> I'm not going to learn if I'm I don't know what I'm doing wrong <laughs> Um, well, I mean, I'm sensitive too, but I'm also like, I'm, I just had I, to like, I had to cut that off because I, I can't learn if I can't grow, if I can't be told what I'm not doing right. Here's the thing. I am a sensitive person for sure, but I also can take a 15 I, page edit letter and not have emotional feelings about it. Well, I'm, if I'm you're not calling me amateur so, and a horrible person. Well, there's a difference. I'm not talking about telling yeah. me that like, I should never do this again and don't ever type words on a you know laptop again. Like I'm not talking about, that. I'm talking about telling you're me talking what's, what I'm about doing. An actual craft, edit letter. Like plot, structure, character arc, like yeah. romance. I'm talking about this, like the, what is it? Semantics of writing not like hey the sentence doesn't sound right well of course it doesn't sound right because it's like I'm not that I'm not there yet 
you know? Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing, like when you first gave me your first chapter, I feel like it was three years ago. I was like, okay, great, great, great. But, um, fix your pros. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I remember being like, okay, this, love it. Everything, everything's great. But do work on your pros. <laughs> like, um, but you've come so far since then, you know, and, and the thing is true. Like, so I also had a come to pros moment um, where I knew I had to fix my pros and get a lot better. And that was back in like 2018. So like, I think there always has to be a moment in a writer's career where you're like, I need to focus on X, Y, or Z to get better so that I can, you know, write. I always talk about it as a sport metaphor, like that you want to be hitting in the major leagues. You don't want to be hitting in the minor leagues or, you know, high school level. You want to be like on the journey to becoming a professional, um, which means you need to have the quality. But I will say this about first books. Okay. The first book I wrote when I was 17 years old does not count. But I wrote like <laughs> 300,000 yeah. words on that. Like, I don't know how. So, so, so. That is a lot. Not great. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was trash. Um, 300,000 words of trash. Um, <laughs> and I don't think I grew at all writing that book. But my second book, like the book I started in uh, 2016, 2017, that book, um, it's called When the Red River Burns. And it will be a book that I will publish in probably like three or four years because I don't know that I'll ever write a better ending because that book was organic storytelling. Um, and I think some of that organic storytelling has been stripped from me by like my agent and by other external forces in a very sad way. But that original like storyteller with like that just dream and passion and like just you know, that magic that you first have as a young writer is in that book. And it, it has one of the best endings I will ever write ever. And so I think there is something to be said about being a young storyteller, whether that's age, I'm not talking age, I mean, like in your journey of storytelling, because there is that organic magic that everyone possesses that will show up in that story that then you have to refine because you're not good with prose or you're not good with character or whatever. So, yeah. I think it's just recognizing where you're at and like knowing if like you're on book three, but in year three, right? Because your first two books were like false starts because the plot didn't work or the characters weren't working or but it wasn't formulated or you didn't quite understand like characters and stuff like that's fine I just stuck with one the whole way through and fixed mm-hmm. all of those things with one book um well there's maybe, people who maybe write it is part of that organic kind of like magic of storytelling of the first story and maybe I just I don't I mean I did start I will say I did start another book before this one I just only got like 10 to 15 I don't even know maybe 7,000 words I don't even know something around there so technically I wrote another book. Yeah. Well, and there's people who write like seven books and don't learn anything between each book because they're 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 rushing too much and they're not working on their craft. Yeah. So like book one versus book twenty-seven are not equal. Yeah. You never know whose first book is what. Like I, I feel like Chloe Gong, who wrote These Violent Delights, which is somewhere on that shelf up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that was her first book. And that is yeah. one of my favorite books books Mm -hmm. I've ever read like I love so much her prose are fantastic the tension is great like you cannot tell like what it is some people are just more naturally talented I do not have that talent of natural talent but um but but that 
versus my first book total trash my first yeah. book, not hers hers was fantastic mine but also trash. like caveat she also yes she was the writer but remember writers that are listening to this she also had an editor and went through multiple and an agent and went through multiple rounds of editing so like a published book mm-hmm. is not the same as a first draft either 100 percent. and how do we know if that wasn't a book she wrote worked and on for seven years or times and yeah exactly worked on for four years like we don't yeah. we don't i don't actually know that unless somebody I, does but i mean i think I mean, throwing a glass was also sarah j mass's first book right and we know she worked on that a long time before it was published yeah i mean i'm i'm not kidding like i literally like signed up for anything mostly free stuff because well it's free um but then I decided to put money into uh, doing things for like my writing and yeah. what I considered craft. And that was like going to book on in 2019. Mm-hmm. So like I was doing things in 2019 and 2000. No, I went in 2018. I, I feel like so, I've known you longer than 2020, girl. <laughs> we OK, maybe I've known you since 2019. I think so. Okay, That's why well, I, I will. So I should say, longer. I may not have written that first like 7,000 words that I wrote or whatever did take me a while because I was getting my feet wet. I felt like I read Save the Cat. I had to know how to plot. I <laughs> I went to Y'all Fest and I attended all the panels. I went to Dragon Con. I attended all yeah. the panels, listened to Brandon Sanderson, not just him, but like listened to all of these authors and all these I think Susan Dennard was there for one of them like I remember her I literally this is like back in 2018 17 I would go to all this stuff and I hadn't even really written I was just like I'm gonna do this and like I have to be the best at it and maybe that's the ADHD thing I don't know (laughs) sorry that was a little passionate but I was like I have to do this like and I just literally went and did like anything and everything I I was I was the same way like I uh in in 2016 16 through like 2020 I went to like four conferences I own the entire backlog of like three of uh RWA's conferences I like I bought a lot of classes I took any class I could get my hands on um like just anything that I could do to like grow and become a better writer like I did and I actually got better I like used I printed out uh because I used to when I was learning how to write I would listen to my audiobooks with the ebook right in front of me I printed out like 20 um first chapters and I highlighted them and I literally did math I was like what is the average of this type of I mean it was just huge massive level of like just silly that's also very true for traditional publishing because your your book if your query is not going to get probably requests unless it's polished and like it has to be quote good enough yeah well and i i always make up fake math so here's some more fake math for everybody <laughs> um one percent of people will get an agent in a year and of that one percent one percent will get a book deal a year so one percent of one percent and i well, believe that fake like, math is pretty real math but it's i don't fake think that's math. like fake math because courtney mom wrote a book before and after the book deal and she said that in her book because somebody else said it like lisa cron or something like that. yeah well and the math i did i did not read those books but the math i did 
was I found sources from editors saying how many books they acquired each mm-hmm. year. And I went on to Publishers Marketplace and I asked, well, I found basically how many how many books they get a month. And then I did the math on that, which was 1%. Um, and then for yeah. agents, it's much easier because you have um, you have query manager, which will give you like literal like percentage numbers yeah. um, if you do the math. So it really, really is less than 1% and less than 1% of that 1% get a book deal. So it's really, really difficult to get a book deal. And then you think about the fact that I feel, this is my personal opinion, that the last two years in traditional publishing have been in terms of like what I've liked and reading. And it's been like, I don't feel like they bought the right books. Um, And things that we know for sure didn't get picked up by traditional publishers um, there's one uh, indie author that is hugely successful. We know didn't get picked up on submission, um, but recently did. Um, and we believe it's the same book that went on submission that went and got huge in indie world. So that tells you something. And, and again, like you don't know why your book's not being kicked up by trad, but it's not because of quality and it's not because readers don't want to read it. And it's not because it's not a valid book. Exactly. Because. And maybe we can end with this. Publishing is a business and they're there to make money. And, and they're not wins. always right. <laughs> and not always right. They're not, but profit is what they're looking for. And if your book's a fae or vampire, they, they're like, well, we can't sell that. Yeah. Yeah. Even <laughs> though I was screaming from the rooftops since 2018 that yeah. romanticy was going to be the next big thing. And I would like to pat myself on the back because I was right. Yeah. <laughs> but just, just remember your dream of being a writer is, is valid and but beautiful publishing is a business (laughs) and more importantly it's a business if you indie publish too so if you are serious about this business then treat it like a business and make your decisions based off of it being a business and that's what this podcast is honestly all about and we want to share with everybody like what it actually looks like to go from the very beginning to whatever Whatever happens happens. (laughs) yeah we're hoping that are successful um, of course, obviously everyone would hope that. I and even think. if it's not like it just being honest and, and candid and sharing the wins and the losses. Jamie will agree with me here, but I personally am very, very open and honest about like yeah. how much I spent, where I spent mm-hmm. it, all these Same. different things. So, um, if you follow this podcast and you are okay with us going from boom, talk it, topic, 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 <laughs> um, because we're ADHD. We're try to like not do that. Uh, we're I promise to we're kept trying to like bring us back. So I'm like, okay, I think we're going sideways, but, um, we will try. Sorry. But we cannot guarantee. Trying, we trying try. to keep trying to keep me on a on a on a straight <laughs> road. But the point is that if you are interested in learning from the journey, all of the details yeah. down into like the small minute, we are here for you. Yeah. Also, welcome to Villain and Petty Era. <laughs> welcome to this bus stop. Get on our bus. <laughs> Please, we would love to have you with us. I should think it's journey. a better train. Let's have it be a train stop. I think we should be on a train. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We're grateful to have you by our side. As we navigate the intricate waters of our writing journeys. See you next time. <laughs>